All right, now I know some of you've got chills going up your spine right now. There's something about that musical score that just gets those juices flowing. Hey, your favorite character, R2-D2, Chewbacca, Han Solo, as images are flashing in your head, your favorite scenes are flashing in front of your very eyes at this moment. And man, there's many to pick from, isn't there? Seven episodes. Seven episodes. The first one came out when I was nine years old. I turned 49 yesterday. That is 40 years of Star Wars, 40 years. So despite any measure, any way you look at it, Star Wars has been an over-the-top successful movie series. So many of them. But I gotta be honest, there are fans everywhere all over the world. I am not one of them. (laughs) I never liked Star Wars. I never will, so do not run me over in a parking lot, you zealots. (laughs) I have never pretended to be in a lightsaber fight. You know how you guys do that thing? I've never had a figurine, and I've never dressed up as one of the um, characters. Never. Come on, show of hands, how many of you have? Uh Uh-huh, they're all outed. You're outing yourself in front of everybody. But regardless of my opinion, Star Wars is a cultural phenomenon. And and the reason I think that is, is because the core of the movie, the foundation of the movie, is this, this battle between good and evil and our desire as a people to see good beat evil. In Star Wars vernacular, right, it's the force and the good side of the force with the resistance overcoming the evil side of the force and the first order, first order empire, right? Just the good versus evil. And even if you're not a Star Wars fan, there's something inside of each one of us in any movies where we wanna see the underdog win. We wanna see good overcome evil because that's what we wanna see in our own lives. Now I gotta admit, I did see the first one when I was nine years old in 1977. I hadn't seen any of them after that. That is until my 11-year-old son, Ashton, tortured me for weeks to take him to see this. And there is nothing more humbling than an 11-year-old shushing you in the movie theaters. You're trying to figure out what's going on. (laughs) Despite being lost in the whole movie, though what I found interesting was the development of three of the characters in this movie and what happened in their lives amidst this broad scape of good versus evil, this battle that's going on. And what I wanna do is just give a quick overview of three of these characters, and we're gonna take a a, a deeper look at each one of them. The first one we're gonna look at is a a woman, her name is Ray. Uh, We don't know much about her, she's a new character um, in this thing. Actually, I think all three of these are new characters that we're gonna look at this morning. Um, but, but Ray is kind of a, a loner. She's a, she's a scavenger. And, um, you know, she wasn't looking to join the resistance. She was just kind of living her life, um, trying to make a living for herself. She wasn't looking to join the resistance. But what happens is, is she stumbles upon and rescues this robot called BB-8. And uh, BB-8 belonged to the resistance. I think a fighter pilot he belonged to. And his robot has a, a, a part of a map 
that the resistance needs and that the evil empire wants. So that's Ray. The second of these characters we're going to look at is Finn. Now, Finn was on the other side. Finn was a stormtrooper, right? And according to Wikipedia, <laughs> yes, I said Wikipedia. There's a Star Wars version of Wikipedia, if you can imagine that. But according to that site, are these stormtroopers are, are not able to turn their back on their leadership. They're loyal and they're faithful. But the fans of Star Wars get a little twist when Finn turns his back on the evil empire because he doesn't agree with what they are doing. And so Finn, literally just a number to the evil empire, FN2187, he turns his back and is kind of making a life of his own now. And he's searching for more out of life than what he was raised to do. But with his real identity hidden, he, he lets people assume that he's part of the resistance. So as we look at this first scene, you're going to see Finn and Ray interacting with Han Solo. Yes, Harrison Ford is still alive and well. But we're going to see Harrison Ford talking about a, a power holding together good and evil, the dark side and the light side. So, fugitives, huh? The First Order wants the map. Finn is with the Resistance. I'm just a scavenger. See what you got. Go ahead. This map's not complete. It's just a piece. Ever since Luke disappeared, people have been looking for him. Why did he leave? He was training a new generation of Jedi. One boy... An apprentice turned against him, destroyed it all. Luke felt responsible. He just walked away from everything. Do you know what happened to him? A lot of rumors, stories. People that knew him best think he went looking for the first Jedi temple. The Jedi were real. I used to wonder about that myself. Thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Magical power holding together good and evil, the dark side and the light. The crazy thing is, it's true. Okay, so in order to grasp the fullness of that quote, this realization that there is a force out there, I want to take us back to a young Han Solo in episode four, which was the first chronological Star Wars. So it's the first in time, if you will, in Star Wars time. Listen to what a young Hans Solo said then. He said, I have flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. Anyway, it's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. But now, by the time this clip comes, Han Solo admits that he no longer holds that belief. 
that he shares with Ray and Finn that there, there is a greater force out there. There is something that's bigger than him. There is someone that's bigger than him kind of controlling and everything and keeping good and balance in evil. And that person, right, is, is someone bigger than them. And there's a real battle going on between good and evil. Maybe today, you sit here and maybe can relate to that young Han Solo. Maybe all the places that you've been and the things that you've seen, that regardless of all the experiences and things that you see in this universe, that you remain unconvinced that there is somebody or something bigger than you, that there is a God that ultimately controls your destiny. If you find yourself here, I can tell you that there is a God who created you and sustains everything that's in the universe. And what I want to offer to you now is God's word himself spoken to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 45, verses five through seven. Listen to what he says. I am the Lord. There is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, then you may know there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. See, somewhere along his journey, Han Solo came to a realization that there was something bigger, there was something greater, that there was a battle between good and evil. And that's great, that's a movie. But the truth is that every single one of us is going to at some point come to realization that there is a God that does hold everything together. There is a God that is in control of your destiny. There is a God that created and sustains everything. And we're gonna come to that realization with our eyes open through profession of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or we're gonna do that once our eyes are closed when we meet the Lord face to face. But each one of us are gonna come to that realization that there is a God. Now, there's one more character that I want to look at real briefly before we continue, and that is um, a, a guy named Kylo Ren. Ren is actually the son of Han Solo that we just saw and Princess Leia. And when he was training to be a Jedi, which were the good guys, Ren turned his back on the resistance against the light and chose to go to the darkness. So he personally knows that there is a force. He personally knows that there is good and evil, that this war is raging on. And despite his high rank within the First Order, Ren is still struggling with turning his back on the light and succumbing to the pull of the darkness. Forgive 
me. I feel it again. The pull to the light. Supreme Leader senses it. Show me again the power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. Show me. So here we see Wren speaking to the mask of his grandfather, the infamous Darth Vader. He's confessing that the, that the light, that the light side of this force is continuing to pull him and to pull him. And he's crying out to his supreme being, his supreme leader, I don't want that. I want to remain in the darkness. Help me stay in the darkness. So we see here that Wren is clearly struggling with who he is. Now, as we take a look, a closer look at these three characters, um, Finn, Ray, and Wren, we're going to see a common struggle between them. And we're going to see that each one of them desperately longs for acceptance. Now, this, this struggle of acceptance is not some intergalactic um, stuff made up for the Star Wars movie series. The struggle for acceptance is a real deal life struggle that we all wrestle with at one time or another. See, we long inside of us to be accepted by the people that we love and the people that we respect. And that that acceptance requires us to be truly known for who we are, not only the good, but also the bad and ugly that's inside of each one of us. See, to be truly accepted, we've got to be known for who we really are and not who we pretend to be. And yet this deepest longing inside of us, this longing to be accepted, comes with some of our greatest fears, and that is the fear of rejection. Because we think that if, if, if that we're known, that there's no way that somebody would accept us for who we are. That if people understood what went on in my head, if people understood the thoughts that popped up there sometime, if people understood the condition of my heart, there are no way, there's no way that people could accept me for who I am. And that fear of rejection starts feeding inside of us. And in response to that, we, we run, we hide, and we put a mask on and pretend that we are somebody else than truly who we are. You see, the, 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 the pull of, the, the desire for acceptance is a very strong motivator but so too is that fear of rejection. And we're gonna see this fear of rejection play out in all three of these characters. And the first one we're gonna go back and look at is Ray. In this scene we look at, 
we're going to see her interacting with a leader of one of these resistance towns. And they're, they're having this conversation. And, and uh, we're going to see this leader kind of pour salt in this open wound in Ray's heart. You see, Ray is a loner, but she has this desire inside of her to go back to her hometown of Jakku and, and really where there's nothing waiting for her, but there's some person, there's some relationship that's there that she longs to get reconnected with. And another way of put it, putting it, there's this, this acceptance that she's looking for from this past relationship. And the leader looks at her and says, this is not going to happen ever. Dear child, I see your eyes. You already know the truth. Whomever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. There's someone who still could. Look, the belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. I am no Jedi, but I know the Force. It moves through and surrounds every living thing. Close your eyes. Feel it. The light. It's always been there. So Ray is battling inside. She's got a, a hurt and an emptiness that she's longing for from this, for some past relationship that is behind her. And she has a struggle moving forward because of this emptiness that she keeps looking backwards for. And, and, this, and this, this woman looks at, I'm assuming that's a woman. <laughs> but this woman... Is it a woman? Show of hands. Is that a woman? Yeah, okay. But this woman looks at her and says, the belonging that you're seeking is not behind you. It is in front of you. It's ahead of you. Now, there's many of us that know the pain from past relationships that they could be so hurtful that it paralyzes us from being able to move forward. People like an unfaithful spouse, an abusive parent, a backstabbing friend, a, a distant or an unloving child. See, the acceptance that we seek from these people that are to be close to us in our lives, it's like a whisper from Satan telling us, you're not good enough. You don't fit in. You're not worthy. They don't accept you. This is you. If this is you, I can tell you that I have been in that boat with you. My broken relationship with my father had been a major roadblock in my life. Growing up, I felt manipulated instead of appreciated. I felt despised instead of loved. I felt, I, I felt like a punching bag instead of a treasure. I felt despised. I felt not good enough. I felt completely unacceptable to my father. But I learned 
through God's word about my heavenly father who loves me and accepts me. And because of that understanding, I could be free of that past hurt and that past pain to move ahead to be the person that God's created me to be. And one of the most crucial verses in my life and working through this is found in Psalm 103, verses 8 to 13. I want to share those with you this morning. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he's removed from our transgressions from us. As our father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. And then about God's faithfulness, listen to this. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. See, you learn... I learned in those verses that the Lord is everything that my earthly father wasn't and was never able to be in the first place. This passage screamed to me that you are loved and that you are accepted. Now, I don't want to mislead you. This is a rejection that I deal with every day in my life and my father's refusal to speak to me or to my family. But no longer am I looking backwards to his acceptance because I stand free today knowing that God loves me and accepts me for the way that he has created me. And you know the same is true for every one of you that has been hurt by somebody that is supposed to be close to you. That although that Satan may be whispering to you that you were not good enough and that you are unacceptable, the God of the universe is screaming, you are my child, I love you, and I accept you. Now the second character I want to look at is Finn. He is dealing with a whole nother issue. He was a, an evil stormtrooper that was pretending to be somebody that he was not. He fears that being honest about what his past was, that his newfound friends and his group that he is would, um, would flat out reject him. So he wants Ray and all the others to believe that he's actually a part of the resistance when he's really not. That he's actually trying to be someone that he's not. And he's able to keep up this charade for a little while, but ultimately the weight of the lie gets to him 
And he has to take off his mask to reveal who he really is. All of us. There is no fight against the First Order, not one we can win. Look around. There's no chance we haven't been recognized already. I bet you the First Order is on their way right. What's this? What are you doing? Solo, what is she doing? I don't know, but it ain't good. If you live long enough, you see the same eyes in different people. I'm looking at the eyes of a man who wants to run. You don't know a thing about me. Where I'm from, what I've seen. You don't know the First Order like I do. They'll slaughter us. We all need to run. Hmm. You see those two? They'll trade work for transportation to the Outer Rim. There, you can disappear. Finn! Come with me. What about BB-8? We're not done yet. We have to get him back to your base. I won't let you. I'm not who you think I am. Finn, what are you talking about? I'm not resistance. I'm not a hero. I'm a stormtrooper. Like all of them, I was taken from a family I'll never know and raised to do one thing. On my first battle, I made a choice. I wasn't going to kill for them. So I ran right into you. ashamed of what I was. But I'm done with the First Order. I'm never going back. Ray, come with me. Don't go. Take care of yourself. Please. So here Finn confesses to Ray who he used to be, a despicable, evil stormtrooper who was born and raised to kill for the First Order Empire. He is completely ashamed of who he used to be and he does not want to go back to his old self and his old identity. And all he wants to do is run as far away, away from where he can and where he is, all the way out to the outer rim, wherever that is. And it may be today in a way that you can relate to Finn, dogged by the mistakes of your past, 
dogged by the things that you used to do and the things that you used to be. Maybe a cheat, a liar, a thief, a deadbeat, a gossip, an addict, or angry, self-centered, materialistic. And you want to run as far away from what you used to be as you possibly can. But guess what? If you run away, who's going to be there waiting on you? You. You can't run away from yourself. But God offers us a place to go. And that is directly into his arms. And in doing so, the mistakes of our past, the burdens that we carry around with us and the labels that come with them can go away. See, because God's word tells us that we are not defined by our past mistakes. 1 John 1.9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In Isaiah Chapter 1, verses eight, verse 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And not only is our sin forgiven, but the guilt that comes along with that sin that we carry around is forgiven as well. You think you've got some junk in your past? Well, so does King David who wrote these words in Psalm 32, five, then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and he will forgive me the guilt of my sin. This is written by this man who had just cheated with Bathsheba and killed Uriah, her husband, who was a leader in his army to cover up the affair. See, God forgives us of our burdens of our past through faith in Jesus Christ. And we are set free of that bondage. We aren't that old person. We're a new person. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. See, while Satan is whispering in your ears that you were unacceptable because of your past mistakes, God is screaming to you that in Christ you are a new creation and perfectly acceptable to him. Perfectly acceptable to him. Now this last character I want to take a look at is a scene, and the scene is, is Wren. And in this scene, there's a pivotal moment between his father, Han Solo, and himself, where his father asks him to take off his mask, literally. Take off that mask. You don't need it. What do you think you'll see if I do? The face of my son. Your son, 
He's gone. He was weak and foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. That's what Snoke wants you to believe. But it's not true. My son is alive. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. Snoke is using you for your power. When he gets what he wants, he'll crush you. You know it's true. It's too late. No, it's not. Leave here with me. Come home. We miss you. I'm being torn apart. I want to be free of this pain. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Can you help me? Yes, anything. So here we see Ren telling his father that he is being torn apart on the inside, that he wants to be free, that he is wrestling with the good that he was created to be, with the bad that he chose to be. And maybe there are you here today that can relate to Ren. You've got something going on in your life that you really enjoy. It gives you a sense of satisfaction. It gives you a sense of power. It gives you a sense of control. But you know deep down inside that it is wrong. That's not what God has for you and it's a sin issue in your life. But it keeps pulling at you. The temptation keeps pulling you in. Satan whispers the temptation is too strong. The attraction of, of someone other than your spouse, the ease of pornography, the high of drugs, the sense of control that anger gives you, the power the gossip gives you over other people. And each time you give in to that sin, you give in to that temptation, is you can't help but feel like a failure. You can't help but feel like you're unacceptable. Not only to yourself, but your friends, your family, and ultimately to God. But if you listen to God instead, God is screaming at you that those things do not control you. He provides a way out. We see that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that said no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, whether it's an existing sin issue in your life, hurt from a past relationship, the mistakes and baggage from past sin, all of these issues in our lives make us feel unacceptable. 
And my guess is that most of us today can relate to one of these three characters. And if you're anything like me, at some level, you can relate to all three of them. See, because we have this desire to be fully known and to be fully expected, but this stuff tries to drag us down and holds us back from living in God's truth. And it's two points of God's truth. The first one is that we are already known and accepted by God. He already knows us intimately. There is no running or hiding from him. Look at Psalm 139, verses one through six. Psalm 139, verses one through six. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I don't know about you, but there is something that is terrifying, but also yet freeing in those verses. That I think that the Lord God knows everything that's going on inside of my heart, everything inside of my head, every word before I speak it, he really knows who I am that I can't run from him, that I'm stuck. But at the same time, it's terrifying. It's the same time that it's freeing because I don't need to run or hide because God knows me. He knows who I am. He made me and gave me the qualities that he did. And the second truth that goes along with that is despite knowing everything about me, God still accepts me. Colossians 1, 21 to 22 said, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free of accusation. See, you see, through Christ's death on a cross, we stand without blemish. We stand without accusation. In other words, we are fully known and we are fully accepted. That through faith in Jesus Christ, we stand before him without blemish and without accusation. And because we how no, remember I talked about this sense, this desire for this acceptance comes along the fear of rejection. Well, because we know we're, we're known fully by God and we're fully accepted, we can be free of the fear of rejection because God knows us and loves us. As I'm going to close the service, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for us. If you have tri- placed your trust in Jesus Christ, my prayer for you is this, 
is that if you are struggling with a past relationship issue, the burden of your past sin and past mistakes, and the sin issue that you're struggling with right now, I'm gonna pray that God reassures you today that he loves you and that he accepts you. He does not reject you. He doesn't want you to be bound up by that. He wants you to be free to live in his truth, to be who he's created you to be. He's got work for you to do. So I'm gonna pray that God heals your heart today. And for those that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm gonna pray that for the first time that you realize that there's nothing that you have done in your life, no matter how bad you think it is, that will keep you away from relationship with God if you want it. He's standing there with his arms wide open waiting on you, ready to love you as he does right now, but also to fully accept you as you lay your sin at his feet. So let's bow our heads and pray together. Dear Father, I, I pray for all of us this morning. Father, for those that, that have a relationship with your son Jesus, I pray that you impress this truth, this important truth upon their heart, that they are fully known and they are fully accepted, that you're your children, that nothing they can do can make you love them any less. Father, I ask you to remove the bondage of past sin, the bondage of, of failed relationships in the past, the bondage, Father, that, that Satan tells us, the bondage of sin, and we know that's not true, that we're free from that. So, Father, we lay all this stuff at your feet right now. We give it to you so we can move forward, do the work that you have for us to do. And Father, for those that don't have a relationship with you right now, I pray that you pull on their hearts, Father, and help them realize that there is nothing that they have done that will keep them from you if they simply cry out to you, repent of what they've done, and accept the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die for them to restore this relationship. And I pray that today is the day that they realize that, that they are truly loved and can be fully accepted through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that foundational truth for every single one of us this morning. And it all comes to us through the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ.